Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Hello. Before we begin, Seek Forgiveness is raising money for a book project, Mental Health Kihundaya. We're doing it to raise awareness for mental health issues in the Sikh and Punjabi communities, complete with translations. You can donate on the GoFundMe page and the link is in the show notes. So even if you can't, please share it on social media and help us to tackle mental health stigmas in Sikh and Punjabi communities. Today, we discuss life with Manny Tura about his experiences of becoming a powerlifting champion after being diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Just as a content warning, there are some graphic descriptions of intestinal issues which Manny has shared with us, but they are needed in order to understand the context of the physical health issues he faced before turning it around and managing to find his way into competition powerlifting. I hope you enjoy it. Manny, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and who you are and and, and what you're all about? Yeah, so by day, I'm a DevOps engineer, which is a fancy technical IT job, just in layman's terms. Um, outside of that, I'm a competitive powerlifter. I've been competing for over two years now. I've broken a couple of powerlifting records uh, in the UK. And uh, I'm looking to get married next year as well, which oh, is well, very exciting. Congratulations, and I hope I hope everything goes smoothly. Okay. You 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 mentioned you're a powerlifter. How how did that come about? Yeah, so there's a, a massive backstory to this. So I might as well start from the beginning, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've suffered with Crohn's disease since 2001, uh, right. at the age of 11, and mm-hmm. um, it's never majorly impacted my life until Christmas Day 2016, which is the point where it was like my life got flipped upside down. I woke up one day, I had stomach pain. That was nothing out of the ordinary for anyone with Crohn's or colitis because stomach pain is just a normal occurrence. Mm. And this pain just grew and grew and it became unbearably excruciating and it was horrific. And I had no idea what was going on. This is not a pain I've ever felt in my life. And I was extremely scared and I was worried. And at this point, it was only my sister at home and it was Christmas Day. And I'm the last person to go to the hospital. I'm the last person to like complain about anything. But I knew something was not right. right. So I got, I got rushed to the hospital. And they pumped me, mor- pumped me with morphine. Morphine didn't do anything in terms of the pain. I've always said these stories, morphine is like this miracle drug. It gets rid of any type of pain and it also gets you loopy. I got the loopy mm. part, definitely didn't mm. get any um, pain reduction at all. And mm. I was extremely scared to, to say the least. I had CT scans, I had x-rays. They couldn't get to the bottom of it. I was in hospital for five days, laying on my back. I didn't eat, didn't go to the toilet. I didn't leave that bed. I didn't even oh, turn on my side. So I was on my back for five days. Every day, doctors would come in, press on my stomach, and be like, does this hurt, Manny? I'm like, no, no, no. But I'm holding back the the truth, which is I'm in agonizing pain, especially the fact that you prodded my stomach. It kills. But I don't want to show that, but it was clearly obvious by my face. Um, The fifth day came, 
and the review the scans and it says and they turned to me and said money you've got significant bowel perforation your bowel is literally leaking all your waste in inside your body virtually right and i was like stunned i didn't even know how to react i didn't even know well, i was just dumbfounded at this point right. and they said well what we need to do is you need surgery we need to cut you open, clear all the waste, and um, we need to fit you with an ileostomy bag. An ileostomy bag is a bag that, how can I describe this in the best way? They chop out a portion of your intestine, pierce mm-hmm. one end of your intestine through your skin, mm-hmm. and then you just attach a bag on top of your skin. And all your food and drink, which goes through your natural digestive system, mm-hmm. will then funnel its way into this bag right and i was like i am not having this bag at all there must be an alternative i'm not having surgery and i begged and i pleaded and they weren't listening to me they were they had literally doctors nurses surgeons dietitians ibd which is inflammatory bowel disease specialist everyone came and tried to convince me and they all gave me their own viewpoints because I asked a million and one questions and they all gave me their own perspective which then helped me build a picture Mm -hmm. and the last person turned around and said to me Mani your choice is an aliastomy bag or you're gonna die and when you get given a choice of life and death Mm. it's fight or flight mode and I was there to fight and never give up. Yeah. And even though the news was heartbreaking and I did break down, I was like, just do the surgery because apparently it's, it's meant to save my life. Mm. Um, I had the surgery and I was in hospital for about two weeks, lost tremendous amount of weight, didn't really worry about, t- about it too much at that point because I was more concerned by the fact that I've got 30 stitches going down my stomach where I've been put open. I've now got a new way to use a toilet, and that is literally it would, all my waste just goes into the bag. Right. And so fast forward a little bit. I've left the hospital. I've, I've come home now to recover. I just got worse and worse and worse. I went from... Go on, sorry. You say, what do you mean you got worse and worse? So I've had the ileostomy surgery, I've got the bag, it was meant to then help improve my life. Now I've had one foot of my intestine removed, yeah. the, the perforated and the diseased part of my bowel was removed. Now it was meant to be time to recover. Right. The complete opposite happened. I went home and I went from, I would say, because I'm not a big person, I went from eight stone five to five stone in two months. So oh I went okay. to the weight of a small child yeah. very quickly. And obviously, this is a podcast. You can't visually see the images, but I can describe. I look like a tiny skeleton. It was literally just skin and bones. My eyes were all sunken in. My cheekbones are extremely visible. Mm. When I lay down, my hip bones sticked out, well, stuck out so much that I could use, use them as armrests. It was right. just disgusting. And so two months went by. Doctors didn't care. I, we reached out and said, clearly there was something wrong. 
and they, they just left me to it. After two months, they finally uh, did something, and, the, and the, what they said to me, it's something that's really ingrained, is the word, right, if you lose 10% of your body weight, we get worried. If you lose 20% of your body weight, it's a red flag. Mm-hmm. They go, you've lost 27% of your body weight in right. two months. So I lost almost a third in two months. Right. And the only option that they turned around and said to me was, we need to bring you back into the hospital. And I'm like, no, I'm not going back. I'm said, mm-hmm. I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, we need you fit and healthy. We need you full of nutrients. We need you to be heavier. And I was like, okay. But you need to come in for at least a couple of months. I was like, a couple of months? I'm not coming in for a couple of months. Mm. Um, again, my back was against the wall and I was deteriorating rapidly, so I had no choice. And I went back to the hospital. Oh, and another thing is, they wanted me to put on 16 kilo of body weight, which was my body weight that I lost plus another stone. Right. I was like, how is it possible? Mm. And then I, I paused for a moment and I said, all right, challenge accepted. And then, <laughs> right, okay. and then what yeah went to the um so now i spent a month and a half in the hospital and in that month and a half i put on 10 kilo which is a lot of weight which is roughly about a stone and a half mm-hmm. and i went from being a skinny tiny well not even skinny actually that's probably put it politely a skeleton to then looking more skinny I looked mm-hmm. a tiny bit better, but uh, it is what it is at that point. And then fast forward a bit, I've left the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling a lot more energetic now. I'm feeling a bit like more myself. But the ultimate goal in all of this is I want my intestines re- reattached because the bag was only a temporary measure. But they said to me, and when I said they, they the surgeon said to me, We'll only reverse your ileostomy bag and reattach your bowels once you put on 16 kilo of body weight and um, control your Crohn's disease. Right, okay. And and that's a massive, massive ask. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I've left the hospital, I put 10 kilo on. So that was great. I needed another six kilo. But this is where things slowed right down because I've gone home and I've my living room was literally turned into a clinic. It was full of medical medical equipment. I had to have a, a fridge um, installed in my house specifically for the feeds because I had to feed myself at home through, um, it's called a pick line, which mm. runs through the side of my bicep and bicep all the way up to my shoulder, across my chest and drop down towards my heart. Mm. And for 12 hours a day, 12 hours a day, I had to feed myself. So, Generally, I did this overnight, and I did this for four months. But in that time, just wanted the reversal surgery, but I needed to hit that 16 kilo. I needed to control my Crohn's. Mm. And then we fast forward a little bit more, and um, so one day I was changing my bag, like I did every day, because uh, it's very, obviously, the waste goes into it. It's unhygienic not to change the bag. Mm. And it was nothing out of the ordinary, took the bag off. And once I took the bag off, I just looked down and there was six inches of 
bright red intestine just falling out of my stomach and just dangling on the inside of my groin. It was a horrific image. And it's a graphic image that's never really escaped my mind. Mm. And I was, again, at another point, I'm scared. Um, I, I'm yeah, I can imagine. And rang, um, there was a specialist nurse that used to come see me every week at this point. Mm. Rang her straight away. And she turned around and she was shocked. She was like, I don't know. She was basically saying, I don't know what to do. And uh, I got referred to the hospital, went to the hospital. They, um, the surgeon gave me three options. He said, we can remove the six inches that had just fallen out, but that's worst case scenario because we've already removed one foot. We don't want to then remove another six inches. Mm. And then the second option was refashion, which basically means uh, have surgery to put the intestine back into my stomach, mm-hmm. or three, which was reattach. Mm-hmm. which is what I wanted this whole time, reattach my bowels. Mm-hmm. And they turned around and said, well, we need to see um, what the best option is. What... Next morning came, and I, all night I'm praying to Babaji. Now, I mean, bear in mind, I, I was praying every day mm. at this point, and I was praying before I got ill, and I still do to this day, and I'm always thankful for everything, that all the opportunities and all the great things that happened that I see mm. and I don't see. Um, so I spent the night praying and wishing and hoping that please I want this reversal surgery so I can get my life back and can start rebuilding mm. and get my life back. Uh, I had a uh, talk with the surgeon and he came up to me and he was a really nice guy and he was like, what shall we do with, with your money? And I was like, please reverse my ileostomy bag. Mm. And he turned yeah, that's a great idea. And mm-hmm. I just paused. Like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, there's no point of having surgery to put it back into your stomach and then later down the line have surgery again to reattach. Why don't we just do it in one go? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It was a real blessing in disguise, the fact that my intestine fell out because uh, I didn't reach the 16 kilo at this point. I was probably short by about five kilo at this point. Right. And okay. there was no real test to prove my Crohn's was under control either. So I had the surgery. Um, and I, the pain after that surgery was horrendous. I thought the first surgery was bad, but the second surgery was even worse. Oh, uh, but I was so glad to be under the knife probably the first and the last time I'll be ever be happy to go under the knife and I spent six days post operation in the hospital mm-hmm. and I had a surgeon he would come see me every day this is uh, I had a variety of surgeons for this whole process this is another surgeon and he turned around to me and said we'll let you leave the hospital once you have the poo uh, sorry the fart of truth I was like the fart of truth because basically it proves that my digestive system's working and the bowels are working as expected. Right. So I'm sat there like, I never prayed for a bud before in my life, but I'm sat here thinking, I'm praying for a fart so I can leave. And um, the days went by and then it got to the sixth day and mm. he turned around in the morning like he did every day and said, have you had the fart of truth yet? 
said, no, I've been to the toilet and opened my bowels. And he went, ah, you've had the poo of truth. (laughs) (laughs) And that line has always stuck with me, and it probably always will. And he goes, I've got no reason to keep you. You know, your bowels are clearly working. You've gone to the toilet. You're free to leave. Yeah. So now I've left the hospital. Yeah. And that was the next turning point where now I can rebuild my life. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be faster. I wanted to be harder. I wanted to be more intelligent mm-hmm. than I was previously. And that was my ultimate goal. Right. And I, bear in mind, I was weightlifting and training just as a hobby for, at this point, about eight years. Mm-hmm. All my strength, all my size, obviously, lost. Mm-hmm. I, all I cared about was rebuilding that. Going back to the gym and training. So six weeks later, it was safe for me to go to back to the gym. My wound never fully healed at this point. The wound took about three months to heal. Mm-hmm. But I went back a bit prematurely because it's just the type of person that I am. I'm not a person to kind of wait around or give up or anything like that. All I wanted was to get back in that gym. Right. And I did. Um mm-hmm. And then I spent three months training, and in, say, four months' time, I was in the best shape of my life. I was better. Shape, I was in better shape than I was four months post-surgery than I was in them seven, eight years that I was training prior, which was right. crazy. But in that time, I learned a lot about the body, learned about nutrition. I, learned, I changed my comp- lifestyle completely. I changed my diet completely, and it, it paid dividends in the end. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you've spoken a lot about sort of the surgeries and the results of what happened, but um, what, I mean, could you tell me what is Crohn's disease? Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease, which simply means all the good bacteria that you have in your gut. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me just backtrack a second. Crohn's disease can affect anywhere between your esophagus, esophagus and your rectum. Right. Part of that digestive tract. For me specifically, I have Crohn's disease in seven different locations in my ileum, which is uh, the small intestine, a part of the small intestine. Mm-hmm. And with Crohn's disease, it, your good bacteria in your gut gets attacked because your body's natural defense mechanism is to attack bad bacteria and bad cells. Right. But the body. It, thinks, oh, the good bacteria is also bad, so it starts attacking them. Right. And it leads to uh, chronic inflammation. It leads to extreme weight loss, loss of appetite, mm. um, diarrhea, bloody stools, um, even arthritis, skin conditions. There's a long list of um, effects from it. Mm. No one knows um, the cause of Crohn's, Crohn's disease, no cure for Crohn's either. Well, there's no cure for any disease really, but um, unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I've had it since 2001, so what, 19 years I've lived right. with it. Yeah. So, yeah. How old were you in 2001 then? I was 11. Oh, so, so you were diagnosed at the age of 11? Yeah, and now I'm 29. Okay. What was it like for you being diagnosed? Like, what, what, what was that process like for you? How it's did quite you... Funny... Sorry to interrupt how, there. But. No, no, that's fine. Um, how did you feel? Like, what, what was going on for you at the time? 
Yeah, it's an interesting story because when I was 10 years old, mm. um, I was a lot smaller than my peers. And it got to the point where I was personally concerned, like, why the heck am I so smaller than everyone else, basically? Mm. And even my pa- and I kept saying to my parents, like, let's go to the doctors, let's go to the doctors, let's find out. And they were like, no, no, you shoot up, you shoot up. And then it got to the point where they were like, all right, let's just take you to the doctors. Mm. They turned around and said, uh, you got Crohn's disease? And we were like, well, what's that? And they described it, and I was like, but what's that got to do with my size? And they basically said, because of Crohn's disease, you suffer from uh, malabsorption, so you're not absorbing the minerals and the nutrients and the vitamins from your food. Mm-hmm. So I could eat and eat and eat, and my body wasn't really using it to its fullest potential or to any potential really at that point which explained why i was small but the original reason was because of my size and then it turned out i've got Crohn's disease and i still didn't fully understand it until maybe a couple of years later because in 2001 there was hardly any studies it wasn't a common disease mm. there was very little information on it at all i just at that point, I got given a, a leaflet, and it just says what it is and what to eat. And what right. to eat was just a normal Western diet, so it didn't really benefit me in the slightest. So right. I didn't understand the severity of it when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking, like, thinking forward in terms of what you were saying around how you changed yourself um through education through understanding nutrition what what was it about the nutrition that um that you picked up on the things that would help you yes so i was extremely confident i still am that crohn's disease uh, one of the key factors of crohn's disease is your diet Mm -hmm. also lifestyle choices environment and so forth but for Mm -hmm. me i had an extremely poor diet my standard diet from a very young age till my 20s, it was pizza, fast food, some McDonald's, Burger King, mm-hmm. um, sweets. I would eat sweets every day, fizzy drinks every day without fail, like maybe at least two, three cans of fizzy drinks generally cook a day. Mm-hmm. That was like for 15 years at least. Mm. And I think I was just playing um, Russian roulette with Crohn's because then it it caught with me on that Christmas day in 2016 when my bowel perforated. Right. Okay. So, I mean, in t- like, so from, would I be right in saying that your body was attacking itself and that was sort of like your crisis point? Like that, that's the point where it sort of all culminated, everything, it's sort of all the things that were adding up over time ended up at, at that point on Christmas Day. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that statement because... Uh, on top of that, stress is another factor with Crohn's anxiety. Mm. And um, I think I was going through a lot of stuff with, I bought a house at that point, and that was just, uh, unfortunately, an extremely stressful process. Mm. And I, mm. I'm not a person that gets stressed or very easily stressed. It's quite rare for me to feel that way, to be honest. Um, my diet was extremely poor. I was eating... Um, probably once a day at this point because I was so obsessed with like getting the house renovated mm. 
time of work I'll spend. So there was this six week period where I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't going to the gym at this point. I wasn't eating right. I was then on the evenings I'd start drinking with my friends and say, Oh, let's go for a drink or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And mm-hmm. I think my body was already on its last legs. And then it was just that, that end, the last four to six weeks where it all came crashing down. And I, I got the reality check that I really needed. Mm. So, so what was it in terms of um, like nutrition that you find has helped you? Um, a multitude of things, really. Um, I, it was never anything really cold turkey when I first changed my diet. Mm-hmm. But the key things that I needed to stop were the sweets. Mm-hmm. So I had a very, very sweet tooth, sugary, sour sweets. They stopped completely. Uh, fizzy drinks I found more difficult to stop. So I kind of went from anything with caffeine in it, like Coke and Lucozade. Then I went to lemonade. Then I went to the little fun size, 150, 150 milliliter cans. Mm-hmm. Then I went to juice. And then now at all I, did, I, I just drink water. Water and herbal teas is the only thing I drink to this day. Another thing is uh, cut out the fast food, um, fatty food, uh, processed food, uh, mm-hmm. fruit with uh, food with skin on. Stopped eating nuts, seeds, uh, spicy food, milk. Uh, there's a long list of things that I cut out in a small space of time post surgery. Yeah, but it's saying that wasn't in post surgery. It's when I was in hospital when it, it originally started. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there because I was pretty much a shell. All I could do was sit in one spot and read. So I educated mm. myself on how the body works and why this has happened. How can I repair my body in the most effective and efficient and the quickest way? Mm. And I, I, I preach a lot about health on my social media and it, it, it's paid dividends to this day. And is that what helped you get into the powerlifting? Um, not per se. So how I got into the powerlifting was um, I've always done bodybuilding in some fashion, not competitively, but again as a hobby. Yeah. And I've always been, I was always a strong person for my size. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've gone through this hor- horrendous journey. I need some validation to say my goal was I want to be stronger, I want to be faster, I want to be harder. How do yeah. I prove this? I want to get into a a strength sport and by chance I was going to the gym and I bumped into a guy I didn't know him personally but I knew his brother and I noticed he was doing powerlifting and uh, we got chatting and and um, I told him some of my the numbers that I was lifting at that point and this was again four weeks four months after I got back to the gym I was deadlifting 160 kilo. At that point, okay. I weighed about 50 kilo. So that was, at that point, is, in terms of power to weight ratio, is very impressive. Yeah, and, three three to one, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then okay. at that point, he um, he goes, "All right, leave it with me." And he started looking at like British records and numbers, what people in my weight class are doing. Mm-hmm. at the 59 kilo bodyweight class mm-hmm. and he was like 
by these stats, you could possibly be third in Britain. I was like, third in Britain? I'm like, right. I'm like, are you going to help me? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'll coach you and teach you how to powerlift. Because powerlifting technically is completely different to weightlifting or bodybuilding or CrossFit. It, it's just a completely different game. What, what, what does it entail? What, what is powerlifting? So, sorry. So powerlifting, it entails... Uh, three key lifts and that's a squat a bench press and a deadlift right okay and the point of the competition is who can lift the most combat uh, the, the biggest total between the three lifts got you yeah okay um so my squat wasn't the best at that point my bench press was pretty decent uh, mm. but my deadlift is what I, all i cared about and that's what, what my uh, my speciality is and it still is to this day and um, so he looked, and because I'm from Leeds, and in our region we have Yorkshire and North East for the Powerlifting Federation. Mm. And he said, the current record is 175 kilo. And I was like, I could break that. And then I got to work. So then I had 10 weeks to prepare. I, I signed up to Powerlifting competition, 10 weeks to prepare. And I need to get my numbers up as quick as possible. Um, so he taught me um, all the techniques, the timing, all the technical cues. And mm-hmm. them changes made a massive, massive difference. Uh, so fast forward now, we've gone to uh, some eight months after I've had my reversal surgery. Yeah. I've had my first competition. And my goal was, I want to break this record. This is going to be my validation. This is going to be the culmination of my whole journey. If I break this deadlift record, I'm happy, extremely happy. Yeah. So I've gone there. I wasn't overly fussed about coming first or winning or losing. It was just about the record. I, not only did I break that record, but uh, the record was 175 kilo. Mm-hmm. I broke it with 180 kilo when I weighed 53 kilo at the time. Bear in mind, the weight class is 59 kilos, so I was a stone under the weight class. Right. So, brought that record, which for me was a huge, huge feat, and I was extremely happy. That sounds yeah. massive. That sounds it absolutely was, huge. Yeah, it was, in, it was a very um, incredible moment for myself. Mm. Uh, not only did I break the record, I came first and won my first powerlifting competition, and I qualified to compete on a British level later that year oh wow so it was um, a great day overall and that to me was my complete validation that was the end of my uh, battle with the bowel perforation and the Crohn's disease and now I've now I've opened a whole new chapter and that's Mm. Mm. which then led me down the road of once I got that flavour and that taste for that competitive powerlifting yeah I continued and six months later, there was the Yorkshire Northeast Championships. And that's what my goal was next. I said, I want to be the number one lifter in this region. I trained solid for six months, five days a week. All I did was eat, breathe, and sleep, powerlifting. Uh, so it came to the competition, which happened to fall on my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I brought that deadlift record again. But this time, the, sorry, the first time I pulled 180 kilo, 
Yeah. Broke it again and pulled 195 kilo, which no one was going to touch at that point because I just put 15 kilo on top of the previous record. And wow. and I became ranked number one in the Yorkshire Northeast after that. So I had an extremely successful uh, start to powerlifting. I went straight to the, I would say, I wouldn't say straight to the top because I'm still in the regional level, but yeah. I've, I've blasted a lot of people out of the water very early on. And I'm extremely proud of that fact and always will be because it was, it adds a lot of uh, weight to the, the backstory of what's happened as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and then I went on to compete at the British Championships a few months later and I placed fourth. So I finished the year being number one in the Yorkshire Northeast and fourth in Britain. So it was a, a great way to end the whole story, really. Mm, mm. And what are your plans for the future? The future is I'll put competitive powerlifting on hold. I still train extremely hard mm. five days a week. I focus more on uh, aesthetics and the and the bodybuilding and how I look and feel. Um, right. I'm still focusing on the strength training, but to a lesser degree because mm-hmm. I have reached my goals. Yeah, I, I could have set new goals and carried on in the powerlifting world, but I set out to do x and i reached it i was done so i was there was no real drive for me to continue competitive mm. powerlifting but i still do it um so what the future holds for me for is to now help motivate and inspire others not just with Crohn's appliance but just going through any adverse uh, situations in their life you know everyone's got mm. um their own issues or burdens that the people either know or don't know about mm-hmm. because in in my journey i documented i have a documentary on youtube which documented my journey from being in hospital to winning my powerlifting titles what's and, the title uh, what's the title of your documentary it's called redesign rebuild reclaim right okay excellent brilliant that's that's great to signpost people too excellent and um I also have a blog which details my story in depth mm-hmm. all the way up. That, that just details up to starting powerlifting. And on social media, I have it blew up fairly quickly. I had thousands of messages from people all over the world asking for help, asking for advice. They look to me as a, seeker, um, a source of motivation and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Is a very heartwarming feeling, and I do love helping other people. Hence, why I'm on this podcast to mm. share my story. And hope that someone would hear it, and it will trigger a positive change in their life. I hope and so that, too. That's what the the future really holds for me: is just to provide the insight and the knowledge that I gained. And I have a lot of mental strength. Like mm. I've struggled with mental health, and it's a huge topic in this daily mm. and if I, at any point I suffered with mental health during that journey then I wouldn't be having this conversation with yourself because it would have been a completely different story to tell mm. I always I'm always an optimist I'm always positive I'm always 
strong-minded, but that's something I'm trying to coach to other people. It's yeah. easier said than done. Mm. Absolutely, I, I can agree. I can agree with that. It's um, it can be very um, difficult if you get into a negative mindset, and that's not, that's not to say that people can't have a negative mindset. But I think if it oversaturates, then it can be quite difficult to uh, to to come out of that. So it's nice to hear that you've got such a positive outlook and such a positive mindset, considering at one point you had some intestine hanging out. <laughs> it's so uh, nice. I actually hear. have a I actually have a picture of that somewhere. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. It, it's actually in the documentary but the intestines blurred out for YouTube. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's been a, a crazy ride to say that's putting it mild, mildly to be honest. Yeah. And, and we were talking a little bit off air uh, about the sort of the online community and stuff. Like did you how did you find like a the online community for sort of Crohn's, how did you find that? I think with anyone in any uh, adverse situation, they seek help, yeah. and for other people going through the same struggles as them, mm. I was no different. Mm. I wanted to know when I had the bag, how do I live with the bag? How do other people cope? What did they do with their daily daily life? Because I didn't know anyone else with a bag, and I'm sat mm. and I thought I cannot dress myself, I cannot feed myself, I can lost all independence. I had 24 hour care, and I was like, this can't be normal for everyone. Like, why am I suffering so badly? Mm. And it turned out that's not the normal case. People with bags uh, had it 10, 20 years. They're going to the pub, they're playing football, they're going to the gym, they're living their life. Mm. and I went on the Crohn's and Clytus forums and joined the community and I'm still part of the community to learn and how can I improve my quality of life um, the sad reality was I couldn't find anything what I was looking for right. I was looking for how do I get this reversal what do I need to do mm-hmm. but I just read a lot of people accepting defeat which is quite worrying heartbreaking to say the least because that was the last thing I wanted to do and I don't want other people to do that and just come to terms with all right yeah I've got to now defecate into a bag rather than using my normal digestive system mm-hmm. but on the flip side is it saved a lot of lives and people have very positive stories to say and a lot of people don't even want the reversal mm-hmm. which they're fair enough and I'm happy for all those people but it just wasn't in the cards for me at all. Right. So, so now I'm still in the in the forums and part of the community, but I can give back with the information mm. because, like I said, there was no people out there with a story like mine that mm. went the journey that I did. So I've shared my story for other people to not give up when they're going through the same situation. But again, mm. it doesn't even relate to the illness. That what really um, screams out off the page is the mental strength, the never giving up, and yeah. anyone can relate to that. So it's all about having the mindset. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Excellent. Were there were there any sort of um, were there any key pieces of information or advice that you got from the forums that you thought, yeah, I want to take that forward or I want to share that with other people? Were there were there anything? 
were there any other things that you found from other people that were helpful? I'll say the short answer is no. Right, I didn't okay. find the answers to the questions that I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. A lot of answers. A lot of answers, that, just, yeah, not the ones that you wanted. I want, yeah, it's not what I wanted to hear. Right, okay. But it, it was more of a case of now, sorry, now it's a case of me giving back, but mm. then dark times where I'm searching for hope, searching for help, mm. it was, um, yeah, it didn't give me the feedback that I expected. Right, okay. So, yeah, so you, you're in... Uh, you're in rarefied air because you're you're one of the people that has been able to sort of um, pioneer pioneer a changing way. Yeah, and that's what I hope, and uh, I really do hope that comes into fruition. Really, and mm. a massive change to people's lives, uh, directly or indirectly. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for for spending some time talking to us. It's very much appreciated. Thank you for having me on the podcast.